Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be to my many listeners from around the world. Welcome to the Transformation for Success show, and this is Dr. Barbara Young, your host. You know, I am so thankful each week for all of you for listening and downloading this Transformation for Success show. And, you know, I want to just give a big shout out to all of my fans out there. Hello, hello, hello. And if you are new and this is your first time tuning in to the Transformation for Success radio talk show, this show is about change. We bring guest experts from all professions to help you discover a future for change with possibility thinking new vision, and creative solutions and strategies to help you grow personally, spiritually, and professionally. Now today, we're going to talk about are you living your best life or are you just getting by? Well, I have have in the studio today a very, very prominent individual and a man that I truly, truly admire and love, Dr. Freddie Behing. So I want you today to listen very carefully because I want you to be able to take away something for you personally and also professionally. Now, I'm going to share a little bit about Freddie Behan, who is certainly living his best life today. He is a former, well, I call him a modern-day Renaissance man because he's been an internationally competitive gymnast turned compassionate doctor. He's a creative software developer and a very successful entrepreneur. He's a professional speaker, number one best-selling author, and a success and peak performance coach. So he's going to share today how to live your best life rather than just getting by. So I want you to get your pads and your pens ready if you're not driving, or you can download the show later on platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Roku, and Stitcher. Now, if you have questions of my guests today, you can call in the show, 1-888-346-9141. If you're calling from out of the country, don't forget, it's 001-480-553. Five seven six zero. Now let's get to my guest today in the studio, Dr. Freddie Bayan. Hi, Freddie. How are you? Hi, Dr. Barbara. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, I'm so excited. I finally got you on the show. And, you know, we've got so much to talk about, really, uh, about living the best life and just getting by. And, you know, when I introduced you and I, I said, all the things that you're doing, I'm telling you, you really are living your best life. And one of the things that I wanted to just talk about was where did this all begin with you? Because uh, being a gymnast, uh, I want to just explore that a little bit because I hear so much about uh, gymnastics being such a high-risk uh, skill, and it's intense in terms of its competition and constant pressures to stay fit. So I want to know, where did this all begin for you, Freddie? Absolutely. Uh, gymnastics, for sure, is a high-risk mm-hmm. sport mm-hmm. if it's done inaccurately. Mm-hmm. However, it can be extremely safe if you have done what you're supposed to do without cutting corners. And that statement goes a long way 
because it applies to everything in life. If we are careless about doing the basic stuff and we want to cut corners, it will catch up to us when it matters. And with gymnastics, when things go wrong, you don't see it as an audience. The gymnast mm. feel it. Mm. When you're a little too fast, you have to make a split-second decision what to do to slow that speed down so you can still Ooh, land on wow. your feet instead of your face. If wow. you're a little too high, you got to know what to do. So you can compensate for that extra height or not even being high enough. So all of those things come by experiencing. And it applies uh-huh. to business, too. You know, when you have a low cash flow, what do you yep. do? If you've never it's experienced a- it, you'll scramble. So that's really what I would like to say about safety and, and being dangerous. Yes, it's catastrophic if you do it uh-huh. the wrong way. And yes, sometimes things go wrong, like cable snapping. or I mean, it hasn't happened for decades, but, you know, it used to happen and they've, they've fixed uh-huh. it. But human error can be fixed. And, and that's part of training. That's why it takes so many decades to become a real gymnast. So where did it with me? Mm-hmm. Where did where where did you begin, uh, and how did you get into gymnastics in the first place? So it's it's a very uh, uncharacteristic uh, path that I had with this. Uh, my dad actually was a very high level gymnast, and mm. he used to teach and train in a national training center. And one of the things that he had told all of the trainers and all of the gymnasts is when my son walks in here, anyone that teaches him gymnastics will be fired. So no one was allowed to teach me. And I would walk into this gym. Of course, there's trampoline. People are flipping. And as a young kid, I'm like, I want to learn this. And no one would teach it to me. So um, I I would just jump up and down straight on a trampoline for hours until my brain felt like it was going to be loose. And I couldn't do anything because no one would teach it to me. And, you know, you don't just chuck a flip. You know? so, yes. Uh, I never learned it until my journey moved me to Germany and at nine years of age. And sometime around 10, 10 and a half, I walked into a gym and they were doing gymnastics. And mind you, as an, as an athlete in general, I was really good at pretty much any sport that I touched. Most ball sports, soccer, football. Uh, be it basketball, volleyball, ping pong, tennis, anything I touched, I was pretty good because I was I was really strong and not giving up. So if there was a ball somewhere, I would run for it. So I had this attitude that I'm pretty, pretty talented. I'm a good athlete. So I walk into this gym, and there was a bunch of gymnasts on the, on the apparatus, and they were young, about my age. And, of course, my attitude of I can do anything I'm like, okay, I can probably pull myself up on the bar like these guys do. And I jumped on a bar, and to my surprise, I didn't go anywhere. And oh my. I broke my ego. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like, oh, my God, this is way harder than I thought. What happened? So um, I asked the coach over there, uh, how do I sign up? How do I, how do I get into this? And, you know, I had at that point already made a decision in my mind that gymnastics is not my sport because my dad always discouraged me. Mm-hmm. So um, I signed up, and because my ego was broken, my first initial reason of starting gymnastics was just to save face. Because what do you mean Freddie can't do this? So um, that's what I did. I was the first one in the gym every day, and the last one being kicked out by the janitor. So you obviously fell in love with gymnastics. You fell in love with those hanging on those bars, so to speak. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. And so now one of the things that, that I did a little bit of research, Freddie, on, on gymnastics, because I'm not sure everybody really understands that it takes physical skills, but it's a lot more. So you had, obviously, being such a great athlete in all of these sports, having that ability to focus, to concentrate, and endurance. But what about patience? <laughs> because I so find... <laughs> I, learned, I learned that lesson pretty early on. Um, because of my tenaciousness, I was learning pretty much one skill per day. I, I had a chart that I would write down on what date I learned a front flip. What date I learned a backflip? When did that flip turn into a straight leg flip? When did it turn into a complete straight body? When did I start twisting? And like I, I was keeping track of every single skill that I was learning. And those dates were so freaking close together. They were so close. Like it was not possible to have like five new skills or 10 new skills a month. That was way too fast. I was going way too fast. So I learned the lesson. Because I was tenacious. I really wanted this fast. I learned the lesson by getting injured. So that's something that is necessary. When you go too fast, they always, I mean, if you ask the mm -hmm. best athletes, when they have to deal with precision, you always slow down. Even when you're a musician, you always slow down playing the, the part that you want to play. You have to play it flawlessly slow. And then you speed it up. And if it's still not flawless, you step back, slow it down again. Bottom line is, if you go fast, the error margin is way higher. And in a sport like gymnastics, one degree of error can be catastrophic. Now, one of the things that <clears throat> excuse me, I was intrigued about was one of the biggest mental, cha mental challenges that I understand, and I think this applies to anything, this applies to life, and that's F-E-A-R. How did you over or deal with that mastering fear? Um, I'm not sure if I've ever mastered it. Um, I'm still dealing with it. And I, um, I, I constantly tell my young athletes that I train right now, Mm -hmm. when they are terrified, when they have tears in their eyes, when they don't want to trigger the move that they're afraid of, I tell them, my friend, this is the most beautiful moment in your life. Because once you master the skill, those butterflies, that anxiety that you feel is gone. It's just skill because you know it's going to happen. Right now, you have an opportunity, a small window of time that you can enjoy this. This is beautiful. When you feel anxiety... That means it's new. That means you're not sure. This is beautiful. You got to go with it. And the reason why this is true is there's so many times at competitions where, for example, on high bar, I let go of the bar and I did my flips and I had to turn back and catch the bar. And as soon as I let go of the bar, I go, oh my God, there is no way I'm going to come even near the bar. I'm going to totally eat it. I'm going to fall. And somehow when you turn around and then your hands grasp the bar, that rush, that kind of a feeling like, oh my God, I'm alive. That feeling is, you cannot replace it. There is nothing in my life that has ever come close to that where I go, oh my God, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I'm well, saying is that feeling, when <laughs> that dissipates, when it goes away, 
then it becomes boring. Gymnastics becomes boring. It doesn't have the same feel to it anymore. That's why gymnastics has improved so much as generations are getting better because they're learning the previous generation's skills and now they've got to add their own stuff to it. So gymnastics today is a different beast than when I was competing. Well, one of the things that I did um, learn that fear as it relates to a gymnast is not always as bad as people make it to be because, first of all, a gymnast that has absolutely no fear is an accident waiting to happen. So fear can keep you safe, <laughs> I understand, and can be a signal uh, that your body may not be yet ready to accept that skill or to attempt that skill. Absolutely. So, I think fear is, is not knowing that you will have A, B, or C results as, mm-hmm. as an end result. And the, the fact with, with crashing in gymnastics, I mean, one of the things that I am compiling right now to have in some of my motivational talks is some of my crash videos. Some of the moments where, you know, you can see that I've attempted one skill in one training session over 50 times, and I've fallen probably 48 times out of those. And they're not small falls. They, you get hurt. I mean, not injured, but you get hurt. They're, they're painful. But you yes. still go. And the question is, are you willing to attempt that 40, 49th per try or 50th try? Most people give up after a while. So the key here is every time you fall, every time you fail, you end up having fact. You have one more fact that this is a dangerous skill and you're potentially incapable of doing it. And that's what's messing with your head because you have not accomplished it. But the moment you have one successful try, that's when this whole chain is broken because now you've proven your body, your mind is able to do that, even though it was just one out of 50. Well, it was amazing because I have seen the video of you as a gymnast, I'm telling you, it was absolutely amazing to see you, I mean, <laughs> I mean, perform all the feats that you have done. So my hat's off to you, Freddie. But Thank you. What, it really, truly. But, you know, you're called the Renaissance Man, and I, I've met you several times, and, and, and as I said earlier, I've always admired you and your work. But you, you transitioned from being a gymnast to becoming a physician. And share a little bit about that. Um, people always say that, transition, and what do you do now? I'm like, I'm doing them all. And they're like, well, but what do you focus on most? I'm like, I'm focusing on all of them. And this is something that's tough to understand for normal, and I use that term loosely, normal people that are in a box of society. You know, with gymnastics, for example, mm-hmm. men's gymnastics has six events. We have six apparatus. That's six different sports. It's not the same sport. High bar has nothing to do with floor exercise. Floor exercise has nothing to do with the ring. Rings have nothing to do with the pommel horse. You're practically doing six different sports at the same time. They may look the same to, to layman's eye, but it's complete different muscle groups, complete different set of dynamics. It's, it's a complete different thing. So Growing up, knowing about six different apparatus and how I have to manage my time and how I have to spend my time on what I'm the weakest at, that kind of spilled over into the rest of my life. If I'm adding a new challenge to me, doesn't mean I have to let go of the old one. So I've constantly added. So I'm still doing everything, 
And the process of getting me into medical, it's actually a really interesting process because I started off being really interested in programming, in software development at a young age. Mm-hmm. And because I was so interested in that, I, every single dime that I collected as a young kid, it would go into books. I would buy the newest books, and they were heavy, if anyone remembers, back in the 80s and early 90s. Software books were, you know, 50 pounds each, and, and they were not... <laughs> they were large, that's so, sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, I, would, um, I would buy these books, and I would just sit there and study them for hours, and I didn't own a computer, so I would have to go to a library that had a computer and somehow crack into the back and, and be able to uh, sample code for myself. So I started learning so much by the time I started being at UCLA. Uh, as an undergrad, and one of the things that was bothering me at UCLA in my department was I I already knew all of the languages they were teaching, all of the concepts. I would sit in class, and I was bored to death. I I just could not handle sitting in class, especially if they're teaching something that in real life wouldn't apply. I mean, if you're writing a software for a business, you know, the code they're giving you, that piece is not really functional because it works for that sample test. But then if you're running thousands of data pieces through it, it would not work. So now I'm sitting there learning something that I need for the test to pass, but I know it's not working. So it was really painful. So I go to the department leader and I say, listen, can I just test out of all of these and be done with this? And, and I'll just sit and study some other upper division stuff. And... And the response was, no, you got to sit in class, you know, waste your time, which is why if you ever catch me talk about academics, I have a complete different uh, <laughs> viewpoint topic to talk to you about. <laughs> That's <laughs> something else. But I think I've earned it because I've been to academics at multiple levels to be able to say that. And um, anyway, so there is this project that shows up, and <clears throat> he says, I have something for you so you can, you can get inspired for, uh, while being here. I said, okay. So he sends me to this department of physiology at UCLA, and these guys are working on the artificial intelligence pacemaker. They were doing the research for that, and they had an issue with their software. Their software was can, not fast enough. Can I stop you right the, there? Can I stop yes. you right there? Okay. They have an issue with their software. We're going to take a quick uh, commercial break, and we're going to be right back. Listeners, you got to stay tuned to this story. I guarantee you it's going to blow your mind. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Show and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Says, Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, thank you for coming back with my guest today, Freddie, Dr. Freddie Behing who is known as the modern-day Renaissance man. And now we're learning about his journey, and he's at UCLA. And, Freddie, tell us what happens when you go into that department. Yes, so I go to this department that's doing the research for the artificial intelligence tastemakers that had a challenge with their software, the chip that they're trying to place into this device, and I get challenged. And if you've heard me speak on stage, um, you know, Mm -hmm. when people get me upset by challenging me, I fire up. And the software developer who was, (laughs) (laughs) the software developer who was uh, uh, a professional, I guess, uh, he looks at me, he goes, what year are you? And proudly I say, "I'm, I'm a freshman. And he goes, okay, whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm here to help you. He goes, you can't fix this. I've I've been working on this for five years. There's no way you can fix this. And I'm like, well, would you mind showing me this stuff? And so anyways, he had an attitude. And that's fuel for me. When someone questions my ability levels, that is positive fuel, which is what an athlete should have. Instead of getting upset, you want to use that fuel to, to get you to work harder. So end result was I ended up spending the next four years working on this project and uh, doing the coding, and um, as a result of that, I got to be exposed to a lot of these doctors, a lot of these cardiologists, and people that are high-end in what they're doing, and every single one of them is like, Freddie, and I, I, in hindsight, I'm, I'm thinking, what a dumb advice, but, you know, they said, Freddie, you're so smart, why would you do software? <laughs> why don't you switch to become a doctor? And today, I'm thinking, what a dumb advice, you know? <laughs> That's like... You know, you should stay in software. I could have, I could have probably done the Facebook. Who knows? But um, anyway, so I'm like, <laughs> but I, I'm scared of blood. I, I hate blood. I, I medicine. That means I have to completely change my major. And they're like, do it. So I said, okay. And that's exactly what happens. I started doing medicine. All of a sudden, all of my scores plummet. I go from having a decent GPA to going under 2.9. I believe my I think I ended up at 2.7 at some point, GPA. And at two points, I mean, I had friends with 4.3 GPA not even getting an interview for medical school. 
And I'm thinking, there is no freaking way I can make it to med school. I mean, these classes are hard. I've never thought about medicine. Now I'm doing biology. I'm doing physiology. I, chemistry, for God's sake, I had no idea. And, you know, the, the idea was, am I supposed to do this? And I never forget this. I went mm-hmm. to a bookstore buying the books for my first semester of medical school. And one of my physiology professors was there, and he saw me. He's like, what are you doing? I said, oh, doc, I'm, I'm buying the books for my first semester. And he looks at me and goes, medical school? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, Freddie, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> I'm like, why not? He goes, you're not that good at this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give it a shot, you know? So um, anyways, uh, the challenge was, you know, are you able to, and, and this is, if I wasn't a gymnast, I would probably, probably have given up in my first few semesters because in gymnastics, I failed over and over and over, but I still knew that all it takes is one successful try, then, I, then my body knows and it's possible. So with medicine, it was one failed exam after another, and I say that on stage because people look at your end result like, oh my God. You are a doctor. You've done these surgeries. Yeah, but how did I get there? Do you know that mm-hmm. I failed organic chemistry five times at UCLA? Do you know how many times I had to take my board exam? Like, like people forget those things. That, yes, you know, yes. It takes work. And, and if you have what it takes to fail and get back up, that's when you've earned your spot because you can recreate it. It's not just a lucky event. Like you said with gymnastics, if you constantly attempt a skill and you get it, you should be fearful because the moment something goes wrong, you have no idea how to fix it. And that could right. be a catastrophe. That was the journey to med school. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking and I'm going back to, you know, when we talk about some of the, the skills, the skills that you learned being a gymnast, focus, concentration, endurance, and patience. But Freddie, there was something else that, you know, the mental toughness, but there's something in you that probably was innate in you, that ability to never give up in spite of. Because so many people will have a failure or have, I mean, look at this, going from a a high GPA to a 2.7 GPA, most people would give up, but you didn't. So you, you were absolutely right to, you know, some of those early challenges you had, you kept doing it over and over and over to be what you're called today, the modern day Renaissance man. So how do you, how did you transfer that skill set that you had as a medical doctor and then you become the software engineer? You always were interested in software development. So now yeah. you have a software development company where you're doing this. So tell me how you sort of shifted into that. To which part? Well, from the compassionate doctor. Now, I know that you did something with the heart. I, I do believe, and I'm not sure you shared that because you did help with that artificial heart pacemaker. Correct. Correct. So um, the software thing, again, I never shifted. I've added. So I'm still doing all this stuff, which is <laughs> You're wonderful. You're still adding. You know, I, I, don't, I don't subtract unless I have to. But uh, I, I try to find a way to balance these things so I can still have them because if there was a passion originally, I make sure. This might be a good thing for your listeners, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I have multiple businesses, obviously, and, and I do a lot of stuff, and I have a lot of hobbies. 
And when I start something, I always write down on the paper, why? Why am I starting this? Why, why is this important for me right now? And I say this. And the reason why this is important is when you have a really bad day, a bad week, bad month, bad year, when you're ready to throw in the towel and say, no, let's forget it. There is no way. I, 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 this is not even worth it. When you're ready to throw in the towel, when you go back and reread why you started this, you'll never give up. And, that's a good and I point. think that's really important for your listeners. That's a very good this. point. Uh, and then, of course, we talk about, you know, when you're introducing yourselves, I know I'm in a women's group, and we always in, um, ask, what is your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? And sometimes people sort of labor with that. So thank you for sharing that point. Absolutely. Always why. And the whys are different. You know, every, every mm-hmm. project, in my opinion, has a different why, different purpose. And you got to be clear on that because when you're in distress, everything comes down to survival. And the answer when you're in a survival mode is always the same, fear. And, um, and you might make the wrong decisions. So you always want to remember why. For sure. Now, Freddie, I know that you have such a unique ability on and off stage to make people feel better about who they are. How do, how do you translate this from your experiences to personify this in your life? What do you, what do you actually tell people? Great question. Great question. So um, I, I do come across very motivational, very uh, personable, mm-hmm. and authentic. That's, that's what's, what's happening. As a matter of fact, I had a a speaking engagement a couple of weeks ago uh, in mm-hmm. front of several thousand people. And I got a couple of uh, Instagram messages. And one of the guys says, Freddie, you, you freaking changed my life on stage. And I was waiting for your sales pitch. Why didn't you sell anything? And <laughs> the crazy part is, you know, that was exactly what I, what I intended to do. I wanted to touch lives because my why is very clear and it's not about selling a product. I'm not trying to manipulate your emotions so I can get you to run to the back of the table and purchase a product. I'm truly <laughs> there to make a change. And if you, by any chance, feel the need to come to me, you'll find me, just like this gentleman. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the way I've developed this, obviously, it's either associated with a lot of pleasure or a lot of pain. So in my case, it was a lot of pain involved as I was growing up. I never got the attention that I needed. Yes, I'm a very good gymnast, but the question is, did the coach give me the time of the day? Or did I have to train on my own and just watch and hear what he's saying to the other athletes that were um, supposedly better than me and try to do what he just told them on my own? In medical school, in school, in general, never got the encouragement. So the question now becomes, how? Do people like me fall through the crack because <laughs> no one encouraged them? I mean, if, if I didn't make a decision that, look, I'm going to do this despite of them saying no, not because I just can, because if I don't, then I truly am what they're saying they am. So I had to change my identity. But what if I would have believed them? Not only I wouldn't be here, but mm-hmm. thousands of people that have been saved not just in the medical field, but in the sports field and personal development field, they would have not had the pleasure to do that. So, so one decision can affect a lot of people. So my why was because I was hurt. 
my why was because I didn't get the time of the day. I didn't get uh-huh. the attention. Uh-huh. And I want to make sure that people are authentically getting it from me. They're not getting it because I'm looking to add another client to my list or uh-huh. they're not selling. If I'm not selling something to them and I realize within an hour they're not buyers, I'm like, okay, well, conversation is over. Because that's what this industry has turned into. And uh-huh. I want to be the difference. So what really inspires you is, and when we talk about living your best life or just getting by, uh, is really to help other people who may be hurt, who were alienated, who didn't get the attention that they got. And so you have this inward drive to touch people's lives. And that's what inspires you. That's what, you know, I had a question like, because I know you. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to ask him, what makes Freddie run? Well, I think you've answered that. (laughs) And I think you've answered that question. Um, But have you really, really had uh, an opportunity to look at um, the authenticity of what you bring about? Have you had a chance to really, I mean, because I know that you've written a book, you've written books. Freddie, what is it that you feel um, you really want to share with people from that authentic space in your life? You know, one of the, mm-hmm. one of Go the ahead. challenges that I experienced with personal development and being just in different fields, which I had the luxury of being, you know, in the software field with a bunch of nerds that are really smart you know, an athletic field with a bunch of people that are big muscles, a lot of attitude, and potentially, and I'm putting this in quotes, you know, very, very carefully saying this, potentially not having the intelligence necessarily, but they've only put their uh, uh, energy into just the physical part, physical aspect, and less on their brain aspect, or people that are more on the brainiac side, and they, they are failing in their physical aspect, or, or, you know, people that are in the personal development industry that are capitalizing on on prey, in my opinion, you know, people that are hurt, that need an answer, that need help, that if you only gave them that hope, if you truly gave that to them, you know, they could do miracles, not just for themselves. So Mm -hmm. being involved in these multiple industries, I I, I see that that people truly are missing that one hero. And one of the things that really broke my heart is Mm -hmm. when you realize your own heroes are no longer heroes. When you realize that they're just human beings with pain and the way they're dealing with their own pain is potentially hurting somebody else or, or taking advantage of someone. Mm-hmm. And, and when that happened, I have obviously two choices. Either mm-hmm. I can say, you know what, I'll just stay away from all of this, forget it, which is a decision I almost did about four months ago. Forget this. Oh. I'm not going to be on stage anymore. I will not be a speaker, period, because I hate the environment. Or... I could be the difference. And I chose the latter. I said, you know what? If I can change one person every time I speak, and that one person now believes that not all personal development people are out there to get them, I've changed one life. And if that's the only thing I can do, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. I think that's wonderful, Freddie. I really do. And which, which gets me sort of to this point. Do you feel that more and more we have more people who are in the industry um, as coaches and speakers that it's all about the sell, all about being on stage to do the, the sell, S-E-L-L, to people. Right. 
Look, rather I, than to change I, lives, it's about money because selling bring, brings revenue. Correct. So do you feel that, that so we're I going in that, di- that direction? I, I want to clarify something really, um, uh, which is a lot of blockages that I see in a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the relationship between money, being honest, and being authentic. And uh, for some reason, people believe that if you want to make money, you have to let go of being authentic. And that's absolutely not true. I am making a lot of money, but I'm doing it completely, 100% authentically. I will not sell a person any product unless I know 100% that product is going to work. And if it doesn't work or they feel like it's not working, I have no problem giving them 100% of their money back and they get to keep their product, whatever that is. And I'm, when I'm saying product, is in different industries that I'm working in. Okay, so that could be anything. The point uh-huh. is, you know, I, I don't want their money if I know that they're not okay. Uh-huh. If I was uh-huh. short in delivering, I own up to it. One of the things that's, that's really tough to understand for me is how can people, I, I, I call this like the fat personal trainer syndrome. How can you not be authentic in what you're teaching? If you're not doing it yourself, what right do you have to teach that to someone? If, if you're financially broke... What right do you have to give people financial advice? If you're not <laughs> yeah. personally balanced in your life, what right do you have to even call yourself a coach or a personal development mentor? You don't. And unfortunately, people don't question that. The last talk that I had two weeks ago was about that. Mm-hmm. I, I showed them this incredible, and I think you've seen it too, Dr. Barbara, the, mm-hmm. the intro video that I have that's pretty powerful. It shows me in all of my elements, including gymnastics and everything. And I come on stage and people are, wow, this guy is truly a renaissance man. He's, he's crazy. How in the world can he do that? And I walk on stage and I go, what makes you think any of that is true? That could have all been Photoshop. That could have been a video that we just compiled. What makes you think that I'm not lying to you? And I leave them speechless right there. And I say there are speakers that come on stage and they will tell you a story, and you fail to question them. My, my job is for you to question everyone. If there is something missing, if they're lying to you, question it so you know. Don't just take it by face value. Question people, because you have to do that today. Yes, you do. Make sure, that, make sure you're doing it for the right reason. If you're saying that I'm a CEO and I'm doing all of this stuff, and yet your, your company is, you know either suspended or, or, or you're going through bankruptcy and you're, yet you're using that, well, that's not okay. That means you can't handle if you're If you're getting a divorce, you've been through a couple of divorces, and you're saying, yeah, come learn business from me. No, you don't know how to handle your life. Because if I come learn business from you, I'm going to end up being divorced. <laughs> you're making me laugh, Frank, Freddie. No, that's because it's true. Life is not about one thing. And if, if, if there's anything that you're listeners can take away is, is you can only be a whole human being and the whole human being is an entrepreneur, is a lover, is someone that is compassionate, is someone that gets mad and does something. You're a whole human being. You can't just put all your energy in one aspect. And most of the time people think money and entrepreneurship is the key so that once they have that resource, they can go and fix their marriage. Or once they have that resource, they're going to have the happiness they want. No. Create it now. That's great. 
you know, uh, Freddie, I thank you for sharing that because it's interesting. Uh, on the news this morning was about a gymnast, not a gymnast, but a fitness guru who's very famous that really is on now under indictment for charges of not returning money back to customers, I guess, who were dissatisfied. And that was on the news this morning. And so it's interesting how uh, when you're not, when you don't have the right motives, you don't have the right heart, it you will be found out. I mean, things will happen where you will be discovered to be the faker that you are. Unfortunately, that's the way it goes. I think people Absolutely. get about get by for so long, and after a while, things do come uh, become uncovered. And I wasn't sure you had seen that show this morning, but when you talked about that, uh, receiving value for the service that you received, and so many people are cheating people. I feel sorry for that. But it's, Freddie, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I just wanted to say that because this person happened to be in the fitness industry, which sort of lets me um, segue into uh, you also are the owner of a large gymnastic facility and training center. Um, and how did you come to do this? Was this out of, again, one of the Renaissance man, your love to help uh, talented youngsters who maybe need that <laughs> sort of opportunity? Right. Exactly the opposite, Dr. Barbara. So, um, I, obviously, someone challenged me again. Someone, um, I don't know if we could say that, but someone pissed me off. <laughs> and uh, because of that, you know, greatness shows up. And, and uh, the, the owner of uh, City Gala always says, oh, my God, I really want to piss Freddie off so he can make our business better. Because <laughs> 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 he knows I get tenacious with it. So the, the story is, I, I was the head coach at a pretty uh, strong gymnastics club here in, in California. Uh, while I was an undergrad at UCLA, while I was competing, while I was doing my software development stuff. So, you see, everything was together. And I was still working. Even though I, I didn't need the money, I was still working because I wanted to work with people. So um, I realized that this gentleman that owns the gym has a problem with me teaching at, this, at the high level these kids. I was teaching them the real right gymnastics, even though they were doing recreational stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 don't teach them those things. Just, just high-five them and tell them a good job and make sure you don't put anyone at competition. So don't ever say, let's all do a handstand and see who stays up the longest. And my question was, why? Why do you want me to high-five the guy that is lazy and he's not doing anything and uh, not encourage people to be better? Because you'll only generate one winner and everybody else is a loser. Mm-hmm. And as, as a high-level athlete myself, as a champion, I'm thinking, well, that's freaking <laughs> the story of life. That's how everything works. There is usually one winner, and the rest of people are losers if they choose to be losers. Or they mm-hmm. can say, I missed. Let me see what the winner did and go fix it and come back and compete again. And then next mm-hmm. time, maybe you have a chance to beat them. So I understood that, but this gentleman obviously didn't. And I could not be an integrity, high-fiving a kid that doesn't earn, didn't earn it. And, and, That's and of course. The ch- and, and push the kid that is working hard at the same level of that kid. I, 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 I do not truly believe in equality. I believe there is no equality, and, and it's our job to get close. And once we get close, you almost create an equality until someone else takes over. So I don't believe in equality because that's just causing everyone to be complacent and just be uh, lazy. 
I, I, I think it's, it's just the wrong way. And if I'm the proof, my life is a proof of that, you cannot be complacent with where you're at. Because that's when you start, you either grow or you die. So um, I put my resignation in and I said, I'll show it to you. Because he said, there is no business model. This business model is not going to work. And I said, okay, I'll show it to you. So um, I opened my gymnastics club in 1996. We're celebrating, what is it, 23 years now of being yes. in business. And this is while I went to medical school and all that stuff. I, I owned this gym and we started off with 37 kids. And today we have over a thousand students coming through every week. And uh, the idea is not to nourish the talented kids. The idea is to nourish everyone because I believe that talent doesn't exist. And I know people are going to get all bent out of shape with this statement, but that's in my book. You're more than welcome to read it. <laughs> Why? Talent You actually believe exist. talent does not exist. I don't believe talent exists. In my opinion, talent is just a timeline. We're, we're looking at uh, proficiency or being an expert in a field as, let's say, 10, and zero is when you have no knowledge about what you're doing. And when you call someone talented, that's because they're somewhere in the range of four, five, six, maybe, mm-hmm. when you're comparing them to someone that's just starting at zero mm-hmm. or one. Mm-hmm. They're not at 10. They still have to work their asses off to get to 10. So when you call someone talented, you're really discounting all the hard work they had to put to get from 6 to 10. So what would you call them? Then if you don't use the word talented, what would you say? What would you call them? I would say that they had the prerequisite to get there. Let me give you a perfect example. If I wasn't a gymnast, would I have been able to go through five failed organic chemistry tests? and still go to class. When my professor says, Freddie, why the heck are you back? I had the prerequisite because I had, te- I had learned a tool somewhere else that I brought to pre-med. But don't you feel that we bring all of our experiences to bear to anything that we've had in the past? We bring those experiences Perfect. with us, whether yes, they're negative absolutely. or whether they're positive. You so happen to bring you those, to that skill talented, set. Mm-hmm. If you want to consider yourself talented, in my opinion... All you need is more tools on your belt. So let's say I'm a gymnast, and then I am, okay? Let's say uh-huh. I go and play tennis. Would I be faster than a normal tennis player running on the field? Potentially, because I'm a fast-twitch gymnast, because I've trained my muscles in gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All I have to learn now is how to hold the racket and how to swing. But my speed and my coordination was trained in gymnastics. So if I come and play tennis now and I'm doing well... They're going to say, wow, Freddie's talented in, in, in tennis. No, I brought tools with me. I understand. I understand. Freddie, I could use that analogy. I was a pianist from the time I was six playing piano. Because I had the manual dexterity in my fingers, I became a typist that could type almost 100 words a minute. So I wasn't that I was talented as a typist. I brought that skill set because I'd been a p- musician, a pianist, taking piano wow. lessons for years. So I get it. <laughs> I, I have a question think. for you now, Dr. Barbara. Were, uh-huh. were you typing in a rhythmic pattern? Yes. <laughs> so you were using <laughs> your <laughs> piano skills. Way and I course. still do. I, I used to intimidate my secretaries when I got to the point where I had a secretary. I would intimidate the people that worked with me if they were typing. <laughs> I still do. Beautiful. Because people hear me on the computer now. They say, oh, my God, are you typing? Yes. 
But but anyway, well, just if, happened if I can, to throw that in because I, I get it. And I hope why. with that example that some of the people will get it too, some of my listeners out there too. I understand exactly what you're saying. And so people would say so you have the potential why, um, yeah. rather than talented. You, you have the potential to transfer those skills. And now they use the word in HR, transferable skills. Transferable Absolutely. So the reason why this is really important for me, and, and it's important for listeners and everyone to understand why I'm adamant about this word vocabulary and, and, and the idea of talent is when mm-hmm. we say we're not talented at something, we've just discounted our proficiency in that environment forever. We just said, okay, we'll never attempt this at the level of a champion. Because you look at me as a champion gymnast, how many hours did I spend in a gym? I spend more time in the gym than a beginning gymnast. Uh-huh. That's what made me a professional gymnast. When you think about you as a pianist, the amount of time you're training yourself on something is probably more than someone that's just getting started. Mm-hmm. So the idea of I am not talented will discount that away from you. You have to say, look, I'm not, I don't have the tools to be at this level yet, so the next question, which is the right question, is what do I have to do to attain those tools? Right. So More time in the gym. I want to sort of conclude this uh, in a way, future. Uh, future. I was looking at, what is the future for Freddie? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Freddie, where, where do you see yourself going now, this renaissance man? What's next? Because you have so many things going on, and really, you've done such a wonderful job, really, with all that you do. And I really admire some of the things that you're doing with people and helping them to reach a higher level of success. So what is your next endeavor? Well, I think uh, offline, I just told you, I just opened two new businesses. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You have two new businesses. So, okay, (laughs) so we hear the entrepreneur, Freddie Bayon, Dr. Freddie Van is starting a new business. And so I really want to thank you, Freddie, for being on the show today because I'm going to have to bring you back for a second show because there's still more that we need to talk about as it relates to helping people to live their best life. And because so many people are stuck today and not knowing that I can live my best life and not get bogged down. And obviously, you are living your best life. And I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Freddie, I love you. you much. I love you much. And I wish you more success and God's blessings as you continue your work. And for all those of you listeners out there, I want to thank you for joining me for this week's broadcast of Transformation for Success. And I want you to feel free to connect with me on all of my social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and on my website, drbarbaryoung.com. Don't forget to download the show today on iTunes, Stitcher, Roku, and you can also use my app, which is free, through the Google Play Store or Apple Store. Thank you for all of your text messages, your emails, and phone calls. You make my day, and I want to thank you so much. And if you'd like to be a featured guest on my show, or you know someone, you can reach out to me personally via my email, and that's info at transformationforsuccess.com. Freddie, again, it's been great talking with you this week. And as I always say to my folks, life is good over 80. <laughs> but Freddie, <laughs> before, I, before I conclude the show, I want you to have a couple of last minutes to talk about 
living your best life and some of the things that you would actually tell my listeners today about becoming a Renaissance man themselves? So I think uh, what I can conclude in a really short period of time is the idea, again, of, of a best life for me is not something that I'm going to achieve. If I can't have a best life today, right now, in this moment, I probably won't be able to recognize this when I have it in five years. So learning to recognize what you have today and being content with it and having a wish list of what should be and then being able to achieve that systematically by knowing what needs to happen six months down the line, what needs to happen a month down the line, what needs to happen a week, and what needs to happen today so you're on the track to achieve that. I think that's wonderful. And, Freddie, I really want to thank you because I know personally this man operates from the heart, and he's an inspirer and sculptor of souls. And so, again, Freddie, thank you for helping people all over the world take their emotion, their health, their finances, businesses, and relationships to the next level. And you know what? You're going to be on the show the next time, and we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about how to. Oh yes, that. my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to know how you keep all these relationships together, and what do you do for fun? Because you're working most of the time. So we're going to have you on the show again to talk about relationships. But what do Absolutely. you? Well, I'm just going to ask you this real quick question. This last one minute we got. What about your relationships? What do we do about relationships when we're a renaissance man? Do you have time for relationships? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, make, I make time. And this is an important statement. I make time because I believe the most important thing in our life is our intimate relationship. And you can have all the money. You can have all the body sculpted, everything mm-hmm. in the world. But if your relationship with yourself and with an is not working everything else is going to be an overcompensation to compensate for that. And I'm telling you, it's not going to work. So it's a very important, like I said, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. And most of the multimillionaire clients that I work with that wanted to get their business to the next level, we end up spending half of our coaching sessions on relationships. And when they fix that, all of a sudden their business thrives. So it's a very important topic. I would love to talk to your listeners about them as well. Well, we're going to have you back on the show where we will talk about relationships because it is so important. And I think we need to integrate it with business, with the business life of uh, the business side, because I think so many people focus on the business and not really on the relationship building that they need. It's so important. So thank you so much again, Dr. Freddie Van. You, my friend. Thank you so much. Love you forever. Thank you for being on the my show pleasure, today. My pleasure. And thank to all you. my listeners out there, have a very blessed week. And remember, tune into the show next week. We've got another champion on the show. Dr. Anita Champion is her name, and she is a champion. So stay tuned next week for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. <laughs> We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an outstanding week.